right, let's talk about these blues here a little bit. Now, before I get started into this, I just want to make a, a, a clarification. There are people who struggle emotionally, not because of just some emotional problems they're having, but because of physical problems, some chemical imbalances and stuff, and, you know, they've got to be medicated and stuff. So this, this isn't about getting on you. You know, that's, that's more of a physical problem. I'm talking about this morning when our emotions start messing with us and how you can overcome that problem. Now, I got an email this uh, last week. I, I think it was uh, from a, uh, uh, you know, Purpose Driven Life uh, devotional. I'm not sure exactly where it came from. I think it's where it came from. But it's great because it's perfect for this message. And I just want to read this to you this morning. It's talk, this is a little story about a lady named Pamela. It says she's a loving wife, a nurturing mother, a prayerful Christian. This morning, her husband, Richard, left a tender note on the bathroom mirror, inviting Pamela to join him for lunch at their favorite restaurant. Well, Pamela eyes the clock throughout the morning, anticipating meeting her lifelong love at 1 p.m. She's excited and feeling extraordinary loved by her husband, so she leaves for the restaurant early in order to buy Richard some small gift. Well, she kind of splurges and she gets uh, some big balloons and floated from the ribbon wrapped around the present that she got for him. And as she pays for the gift, she looks in her purse and notices that she left her cell phone at home and she said, well, it's no big deal. It's 12.30 and in a few short minutes, she'll be with Richard giving him her undivided attention. Who needs a cell phone in moments like this? Pamela arrives at the restaurant first and patiently waits for Richard to arrive. But what she doesn't know yet is that Richard has been in a horrible traffic accident and was pronounced dead on the scene at 12.24. About the time Pamela was try- tying the balloons together around the present Pamela was excited anticipating the romantic rendezvous the point of this sorrowful snapshot is that our feelings don't always reflect the truth Pamela is soaring high on her feelings of love even though her husband is already dead the truth is bearing down on her and it will immediately alter her feelings when it hits but her feelings are not yet in line with the truth Imagine Pamela as she waits for her husband and he does not arrive. She's forgotten her cell phone, so she waits. After a while, she becomes annoyed. After 20 minutes, she's irritated. Now she's hurt. Her emotions running wild with her. Her feelings still do not line up with the truth. After 40 minutes, she begins to worry. This just isn't like Richard. Maybe something's happened, so she asks to borrow the restaurant's phone, and she calls Richard's office, but they transfer her right away to the boss. And he says, Pamela, we've been trying to reach you. There's been a terrible accident. The truth and Pamela's feelings now collide. The fact is, God gave us feelings. There's nothing wrong with him. It goes on to say, feelings are just feelings, though. Sometimes they reflect the truth. Oftentimes, they do not. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Don't let your feelings define you. While they all affect us, and we understand that, we cannot allow them to define us because your feelings are not you. Now, the Bible teaches us that we are three part beings, like God. He made us in His image. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're body, soul, and spirit. Our body is what you see better or worse (laughs) our souls that's the part of us that's where our emotions come from our intellect that's where we get all these feelings from that soul part of us 
Now we have our spirit, the real you, and where God lives in you by faith when you accept Christ into your life. Your body, while it can affect you, is not really you. And your soul, while it certainly can affect you, still isn't really the real you. If you buy into the idea that your emotions are you, you will have a very difficult time ever walking in a victorious Christian life. See, we live in a culture today that teaches us our feelings are really us. They've been saying to this for the last, man, how many decades now? You need to be honest with your feelings. You've got to be honest with who you really are on the inside. Your feelings are really you. And they push us no more than in relationships. And they encourage people to be honest with their feelings. It's one of the reasons that marriage counseling is such a disaster. If you're a marriage counselor, don't get mad at me. If you have better results, good. But what they don't tell you in the marriage therapy world, in the marriage counseling world, is 80% of the people who go in for marriage counseling end up in divorce. Can you imagine going to a doctor where 80% of the people came out dead? You wouldn't go. And the reason why marriage therapy and marriage counseling is such an abysmal failure is they make this stupid mistake of encouraging people to be honest with their feelings. And they pull feelings out of people and just say what's really in your heart. And they dig and they try and get couples to say some of the most mean, horrible things to each other. I don't know what drugs they're smoking where they taught them this, but it's ridiculous. And of course everything busts apart. Goodness gracious, you don't always say everything that's in your head. One of the reasons I'm still married after 35 years is I don't share all my feelings. Don't say everything I think. And I'm glad my wife doesn't either. I'm sure there's days she thinks she died and went to heaven just living around me. <laughs> and I am certain there are days she rolls over, looks at me, and is convinced she died and went to hell. <laughs> and I'm glad she doesn't say it. People, you see it in movies all the time on TV. You know, people get caught up in affairs and stuff and trying to explain to their spouse why they've been unfaithful. Well, I, you know, I didn't mean for it to be happening, but I had to be honest with my feelings. Be honest with your feelings. You're an idiot. Your feelings are not your friend. They may be up, they may be down, but it's not you. It is not the real you. You cannot let your feelings define you because your feelings are often not in line with the truth. Our bodies and our souls should never define us. That's why there's two important disciplines in the Christian life. One is reading the Bible. The reason we should read the Bible is to get God's thoughts into our thoughts so that we start defining ourselves by God's standard, not by our feelings. That's why you need to read the Bible. If you never read the Bible, you're going to have a really hard time living out the Christian life. You'll be so discouraged all the Why? Because you've still got stinking thinking in your head. You need to change the way you think. That's why it's important to read the Bible. The other important uh, uh, discipline is, is fasting. The Bible teaches us that we should, at times, pray and fast. Don't eat everything. You, say, ah. you know, skip a meal or two. In fact, we have a day coming up, I think March 15th, a day of prayer and fasting that we're calling in the church. It's just a day of praying. And man, fast. You know, at least skip one meal. Hopefully, you can skip them all day long. But it's a great way because why? Those two disciplines do two things. They tell your emotions to shut up and they tell your body to shut up. Because our bodies do not determine who we are. 
Our appetites do not control us. We must control them. If not, you'll never be able to succeed at this. You will struggle, you will struggle, you will fail. Now, I want you to look at some scriptures with me this morning. Because I want you to see how people in the Bible actually talked to their feelings. And told them to get in line. They actually talked to themselves. Why? Because they realized their feelings do not call the shots. They call the shots. And sometimes you just got to talk to your feelings. And if in the blues, you got to snap yourself out of it. And talk to yourself. Now, it's often said that only crazy people talk to themselves. But I want you to see this morning that it's a biblical thing. To talk to yourself. Lamentations. Third chapter, verse 24. He says, I say to myself. Here's the guy who proclaims. I talk to myself. Why? Because I got to pull myself in line. I got to get my emotions in line with the truth. And this is what he says to himself. This is what I say to myself. The Lord is my portion. I will wait for him. My satisfaction comes from him. My, my needs come from him. He supplies what I need in life. That's where my source is. Why has he got to say that to him? Because your emotions will drag you down. Pull you into the mulling grab. Well, I don't have enough of this. And I don't have enough of that. And nobody likes me. And my life stinks. And my kids are driving me crazy. And they're looking, if you're looking for your circumstances to satisfy your life, oh man, unless you are independently wealthy, your life is going to stink. Are you hearing me? Because circumstances will pull you down. And if that's your source of life, no, 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 no. As people of faith, you've got to talk to yourself and say, stop it. My source comes from God. My joy comes from him. My satisfaction comes from knowing him and him blessing my life. You've got to talk to yourself in that way. This is what else he said to himself. He says, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. Why has he got to talk to himself about seeking him? Because a lot of times we don't want to seek him. We don't want to pray. I tell you, when I'm bummed, I don't want to pray. I just want to sit and watch Gilligan Island reruns. Eat bonbons. I don't feel like praying. So what do you do? I talk to myself and say, hey, step out of it. <laughs> They're looking at me like I am crazy. What else does he say to himself? He says, it's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. In other words, chill. He's got to say to himself, just chill. Just chill. The answer's coming. Wait patiently. We're such impatient people. We live in such an impatient world. I mean, you remember when microwaves first came out? Microwave ovens, you know, and how amazing it was that you could stick something in and in a, like a glass of water in a minute, it's hot? Whoa! Because you used to have to go and turn on the oven or the, the, the stove and wait for, I don't know how long it takes for water to boil, but depending, you know, and that was, wow, in a minute! But now I watch people, they'll stick their, their thing in these real powerful microwaves and I'm like, Come on, ring already. It's been 12 seconds. And we get mad. We get freaked out. You go to fast food, man, and if that food isn't right at the window, how many of y'all get really ticked? I know, I'm, I'm a sinner too, man. I'll pull up and say, where's my food? Obviously, you people don't understand the word fast. Why? Because we live in this instant world, instant gratification, la, 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 la. And then these people come along and they give you credit cards. 
And you think this is a blessing from God. It is not a blessing from God. These people are not your friends. They hate you. They want every dime you have. They want to give you a dollar and then you pay them back three, four, five, ten dollars. And they give you the car and say, hey man, you can have what you need right now. Right now, don't wait for that car. Get it now. Don't wait for that coat. Get it now. Don't wait for that dress. Get it now. Because if you don't get it now, you're going to die. That's what your soul's screaming at you. And your body's screaming at you. We need it now. We need it now. We need it now. Sometimes you got to talk to your soul and say, shut up, shut up, shut up. You don't need it now. It's good to wait patiently. Everybody say wait. wait. Yeah, oh, not that fun. You know we hate it. But it is good to wait. You need to talk to yourself and say, hey, self, shut up. You need to wait. Chill out. Teach your children to wait too, by the way. Goodness gracious. Shoving everything they want in their faces every time they need it. They need to chill out a little bit. Learn to wait. Work for stuff. Earn stuff. All the teenagers sitting there saying, I hate you. Stupid bastard up there talking. I need that iPod. I'm going to die if I don't have it. (laughs) Not going to die. Psalm says this. The Psalm 42. Again, he's talking to himself. Talks to his soul. He talks to his soul. He says, man, what's your problem? Why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. (laughs) I love this. What's the matter with you? He's talking to himself. Why are you so disturbed within me? Again, here is a man who understands his emotions are not him. They do not define him. His emotions are not in line with the truth. And he talks to him and says, what is your problem? Put your hope in God, man. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Again, Psalm 57. Another time, talking to himself. He says, awake, my soul, wake up. Wake up, come on. Awake, harp, lyre, get on the organ, play some blues music, do something. Praise God, I will awaken the dawn. It's going to make a lot of racket. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples, for great is your love. Reaching to the heavens, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Again in Psalm 103, praise the Lord, soul. All my inmost being, praise his name. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Why does he got to say that to himself? Because when things start going lousy, we get very short memories. We, we forget. We forget that God really cares about us. We forget about his blessings. We forget about his sacrifice, his goodness, his willingness to answer prayers. All the things that he does for us and protects us from. Our minds have very, very, very short memories. He's got to talk to his soul and say, hey, 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 hey. Remember. Remember. Number one, he forgives all your sins. I'm telling you what. If you don't have a sense of what it means to be forgiven of your sins, I feel so badly for you. I think a lot of believers really don't. They don't quite get it. This is a big deal. This is a major deal. When you're forgiven of your sins, this is like Ho Chi Mama stuff. I mean, without forgiveness of sins, I'm telling you, you are doomed to an eternity in hell. 
I know this is not a popular phrase, but it's just the truth. We're headed straight to hell without forgiveness of our sins. And you can't buy it. You can't earn it. The only way you can do it is come to God and say, God, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. So we got forgiveness of sins. When you realize what has happened, when you've been forgiven of your sins, man, that should change your outlook on life. And I'll tell you what, I don't care if the rest of your life stinks. Seriously, now thankfully, your life doesn't have to stink. Your life can be great and successful and God has wonderful things for you. But even if none of that was true, even after putting your faith in, in Christ, from then on your life was in the toilet for the next 60 years, you still ought to be joyful. Just from knowing that your sins have been forgiven because of his sacrifice. That and in and of itself ought to pull you out of any toilet emotionally. And you say, wow, this is amazing. I'm telling you, people don't, don't, don't get it. I, I, was, I just uh, was in uh, Idaho yesterday. Boise, Idaho. I don't know if you've ever been to Idaho. I've never been to Idaho. It's the only state of the union I've never been in. I was there yesterday. It's gorgeous. Beautiful place. I don't know if you've ever been there. I thought it was just a bunch of potatoes. <laughs> and I'm in mountains. And so, I mean, it's just, it's really a stunning place. Fabulous place. And uh, 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 we were uh, there. And, and I was talking to this guy who... They get these pastors in the community all to work together. And it's fabulous to watch the way that they do it. They're so smart the way they pull all these pastors together. And, and what they do is uh, they do the same thing kind of like dairy farmers do. You know how dairy farmers all get together and they pitch in money uh, so that they can promote milk. Right? Even though they're not really all working with each other. In some cases they're competing with each other. But they all pull in together. Why? So they can promote milk. Because we want you to buy milk. Because if you buy milk, hopefully you'll buy some of mine. Right? So what all these pastors do is they pull all this money together and they've got these phenomenal television commercials that they run. And every week it's a different pastor, you know, in the commercial. And they're promoting people about faith and why they need to get involved in church and so on. And it's like, you know, all these churches are doing, they don't even push what church, it's just go to church. Get God in your life. And it's, it's a fascinating thing that they do. And it's really, it's really rather powerful. Well, uh, a couple of years ago, what they did is uh, they raised like $20,000. And they put this ad in the paper, I think they promote it on TV as well, that if you have any parking tickets, any parking tickets at all, I don't care how many, how much money, and whether it's local or if you ran up some big parking tickets when you're on the road, if you will bring your parking tickets to City Hall tomorrow at 10 o'clock, the pastors of the community will personally write out checks and pay for it. So like 6 o'clock in the morning, lines are already forming. Which is amazing to me. I mean, how cheap can you be? Pay your own stinking ticket. You know what I'm saying? But these people show up because they want someone to pay their ticket. And, and what would, it didn't matter how much it was. They'd give them all these parking tickets and the pastors would take it. And they would write out the check. And uh, they would put it in the envelope and mail it and pay it for them. And then just ask for the next person to come up. And people were so stunned. They said, well, why are you doing this? And uh, they, 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 they couldn't understand. Why would you go out of your way to do this kind of stuff? And, and uh, the talk show people were calling in, you know, on these, the, 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 the talk show hosts. People were calling in. They were mad. They shouldn't be doing that. Them people broke the law. They ought to pay their own stinking parking tickets. And by the way, be careful listening to some of these talk show things. These are some of those rabid, unmerciful people I've ever heard in my life. They deserve how to pay it themselves. And they call in, they start chewing out these pastors and say, this is outside, you shouldn't do this for them. They don't deserve it. And the pastors would say, thank you, you made my point. 
You made my point. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. That's what we have. That's what grace is. You have violated the law. God's law. You have some serious parking tickets to pay, Jack. To God. And you come to God and he pays it all in full. That's what Jesus does. And it's all about grace. And it was about a lesson of grace of the whole city. And it was just, it was a great parable. I mean, it was phenomenal. And uh, news media picked us up all across the country. It was an amazing thing. Praise God who forgives all our sins and heals all your diseases. God is a healer. He's there. We can trust him for healing. Sometimes the answers come quickly. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes you struggle and it doesn't come at all. You know, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've seen God do incredible miracles of healing in my own life, in my wife's life. Then I'm just coming over the cold from hell. You know, where it's things like, you never answered my prayer. I don't know what that was about, you know, but it's like three weeks of <coughs> laying around. I gained five pounds, by the way. <laughs> I did. I just laid on my butt and ate food all day long. You know, just... I finally lost it again, but oh my goodness, that was miserable. It was, uh, you know. But God will answer your prayers. There's benefits to serving God. He forgives your sins. He heals your diseases. He answers your prayer. The next verse, he says, he redeems your life from the pit. How many of you are glad Jesus pulled you out of the pit? Oh, man. <laughs> I was in a pit, man, I'm telling you. And then God's love comes and transforms my life and changes my life. It is an amazing thing. And he crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things, he says. Listen to this, young men. Forget young men, all men. He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. God will meet your needs and he satisfies you with good things. You don't have to turn to poisonous things. You guys, take control of yourselves. Don't let your emotions and your feelings and your lust dictate your behavior. When you feel like looking at porn or committing some other sexual sins, you need to tell your feelings to shut up. Oh, pastor, don't, I guess you never feel like that. You can, every guy feels like that. In fact, if you women really knew how much we struggle with this, you'd be more disgusted with us than you are right now. (laughs) Every guy deals with his stuff. But we're free, man. We don't have to give in to that stuff. Look at, here's the scripture. 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse 13. Every man in this church should be able to quote this verse verbatim. If you don't know any verse in the Bible, you ought to memorize this verse, because this verse alone will change your life. And what does it say? No temptation has seized you, except what is common to man. Everybody goes through this stuff. And God is faithful. Listen to this. This is the key part. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. Never. God will never allow you to be tempted. And why is this key? Because your body will scream, you can't help yourself, you can't help yourself, you can't help yourself. And your emotions will jump in and say, listen to your body, he knows what he's talking about. But it's a lie. God will never allow you to be tempted. You ne- more than you can handle. I mean, we're all tempted. But he'll never allow you to be tempted more than you. never have to give in to this stuff. You need to tell your body, your soul, shut up. Are you a man or not? Do you control yourself or does your emotions and your feelings and your lust control you? Sadly, we live in a country today, a nation where millions of men, Christian men, are more controlled by their feelings than by the Spirit of God. And you don't have to be. 
But you need to talk to yourself. I'm seriously, you have got to get this word into your soul, into your heart. And you need to start talking to yourself just like these guys did. And quote the Bible to yourself. When you're going through stuff, say, man, hey, there is no temptation taking you. It's such as common man. God will never allow. When your body's screaming, he said, God will never allow me to be tempted more than I can handle. Never. And it's a promise. It is a promise. I'll tell you, you start quoting the word and start breaking some of that stuff. The beautiful thing about walking in the spirit of God is the Bible says it teaches us and gives us the ability to say no. It gives us the ability to say no. Without God in your life, I don't know how people do it because I don't think they really have the ability to say no. I think that's why people have so corrupted themselves and whatever comes at them, they just fall into all this alcoholism and drug addictions and sexual addictions, all this stuff because without Christ in your life, you're doomed, man. That stuff will run you. But when you've been born again, when you ask Christ into your life, you need to start realizing you are a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You have the ability now that you never had before by the power of God to say no because it will never get to the point that's too much that you can handle because God promises that. Woo! I think all the men will be preaching, shouting back at me or something. And then this last verse, 116.7. Be at rest once more, O my soul. Again, talking to himself. For the Lord has been good to you. I'm going to invite our ushers uh, to come forward, uh, whether uh, you're there in Stevens Point or down in the cafe, the guys here in the, in the sanctuary, uh, ushers come down and the musicians get ready uh, for the time of communion this morning. Communion is a wonderful thing. And, and the Bible says that one of the key things when we take communion is that we're supposed to examine ourselves. We're supposed to reflect inwardly. I've just been preaching to you about the word of God and how to live a victorious Christian life. And what you need to do now is reflect and say, where am I at with this? Am I doing this? Have I let my emotions and my feelings and my circumstances control me? Or have I started walking in the spirit of God in my life and take control of my emotions and my feelings? If you've done the former, you need to repent right now. You just, during this time of communion, say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for not really taking advantage of what I know. Help me to not be defined by how I feel, by my circumstances, Help me to be more defined by the truth. Remember the story we read at the beginning. This woman's feelings were not in line with the truth. When the truth hit, boy, it was quite the, quite the revelation. I don't care how you feel this morning, good or bad. The truth of the matter is God loves you. He cares about you. He wants to bless your life and help you succeed. You can live as a victorious Christian. But the key, trust me, the key to this is what I'm talking about this morning. You've got to realize those feelings you have are not you. The real you, if you've been born again, you've asked Christ into your life, is in your spirit. And you need to let this grow inside of you and start talking to yourself and start teaching yourself the right things. As you're doing that and examining yourself this morning, maybe you're here and uh, you have to admit, you know, all you have is what you feel and think. You've never experienced anything from your spirit. You've never been born again. That's what it means to be born again. You spiritually, you come alive. Without God in your life, the Bible says everybody's spiritually dead. They can feel something's missing. Maybe you're like that. You know, maybe that's why you'd, you turn to all these things. Drugs and sex, alcohol. So you're trying to wake up on you. You feel something's miserably wrong with you. There is something miserably wrong with you. You're dead in your sin. 
But if you'll come to Christ this morning and put your trust in Him, He will forgive you of those sins and you can be born again and your spirit can come alive and you can start walking in this victorious, wonderful life that we've been talking about this morning. I'd like us all to bow our heads in a word of prayer and ask everybody to join with us so that uh, it'll be easy for everyone. But uh, if you're here this morning and you'll put your faith in Christ, you can do those. You can take that first step of faith this morning. If you'll pray this prayer with us and believe this from the bottom of your heart. Let's pray together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you love me so much. You went to the cross and took my punishment. You paid my fine. I ask you to come into my heart and to forgive me of my sins. I surrender to you right now. Amen.